Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Community HealthCast. My name is Rick Conrad, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Elizabeth Bailey, coordinator of the Queen's Community Health Board. Hi, Elizabeth. Hey, Rick. I'm excited for our episode today. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing all about this great-sounding resource. And our guest today is Julie Vino, Executive Director of South Shore Sexual Health. And we're going to talk about a great-sounding resource, like I said, uh, that the Centre has been working on called Gender Awesome, a puberty guide for all genders and orientations. Uh, This project was partly funded by a wellness grant from the Queen's and Lunenburg Community Health Boards. And according to the grant application, Gender Awesome will be a gender-inclusive puberty guide. It's one that doesn't force youth into the male-female gender binary that most puberty guides do. And many guides don't address issues like transitioning for some youth. And while some books talk about buying your first bra, they don't include other occasions like buying your first chest binder. Gender Awesome aims to fill those gaps as youth go through puberty, and it will be available to youth across Nova Scotia. So let's find out more about Gender Awesome as we welcome Julie Vino to the podcast. Welcome, Julie, and thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Uh, So I guess we'll get right into it. And if you could tell us a bit about the idea behind Gender Awesome, what is it? Where did the idea come from? That kind of thing. Sure. Well, it literally came from our own library at the center. The puberty books in our library that we loan out are either literally puberty pink for girls and blue for boys. And uh, given what we now know about many gender possibilities in humans, this way of educating youth about puberty seemed pretty outdated. So I went searching for more modern books, but I couldn't find anything out there that was inclusive of all genders. And definitely none of them were talking about binders instead of bras or in addition to bras. And also, as someone who's cisgender or the gender that I was called at birth, I knew very little about things like transitioning. And I wanted to learn more about how that looked for youth. So was this an idea that you had or or was this something that sort of grew organically out of what you had heard from youth or from uh, people that you work with? It definitely grew from sort of our work with youth. I do a lot of presentations in the schools, and obviously they've had to evolve through the years. So at one point when we were talking about puberty, we were only talking about it in regards to boys and girls. So obviously we had to evolve to meet the needs of trans youth and non-binary youth as well. That, in addition to the lack of resources out there, um, was how it was inspired. So we noticed a lack. We knew our practices were changing. Through the years, our needs with youth have changed. So years ago when we did sex ed, I mean, even literally years ago, you know, boys and girls were separated into groups. That was how it was when I went to high school. As I learned more about being a sexual health educator and uh, meeting the need of youth, I mean, it became obvious that we weren't addressing trans youth needs and non-binary health needs When I went looking for resources for trans youth or non-binary youth, I couldn't find anything. We had nothing in our own library, and certainly there was nothing out there to inspire me for my own presentation. So there was definitely a gap. Why is a resource like Gender Awesome needed, and who is it for? The broad answer is that it's geared for everyone. Um, because it's very problematic that we often separate youth into genders when it comes to education about their bodies. First, everyone should know about all genders. Science is moving beyond that. Um, We now know that there are trans folks out there in much larger numbers than we've ever acknowledged. And we also have intersex people and folks who identify with neither traditional gender. Humans are very complicated, and we do have to educate youth about how diverse and complicated humans really are. Otherwise, people are going to continue to think there's only boys and girls in this world. 
I don't think you can truly be respectful of people and inclusive until you're educated about how many unique variations and genders there exist within the human experience. Can you give us some examples of what the guide covers? It's not finished yet, is that correct? It's mostly finished. So the rough draft is done. And what we've done since January is we've had some readers looking it over to offer sort of some insights and tips to how to help make it better, um, to help make it more inclusive. I thought I did a pretty good job. But then someone pointed out to me that I didn't mention that non-binary people were sometimes called NBs. So I had totally left out a term that would make it better. So of course, now um, we can add that term into it. So it's, uh, so it's more inclusive of the language that people are using now. Give us some examples, I guess, if you can, of, uh, of some of the, the information that's in the book. I sure can. So the guide covers a lot, maybe too much. I don't know. Um, as I began writing, I discovered there were just so many things that might be needed in a resource for youth. So we talk a lot about basic biology because obviously we want to talk about how the body changes um, because it's the main focus of the guide. Um, but we also get into lots of other things too, like gender orientation, mental well-being, trafficking, sexting. A lot of these topics are part of a person's life now, so we have to talk about them sort of in this safe space. I talk about pornography use, dating, and rape culture, but all from a harm reduction perspective. So the goal is to have youth learn about these topics in a very safe space that's based on the best possible research we have on these topics. And what's the target age group again? So the target age group would be about junior high. We may sort of in the in the long run drop the term puberty from the title just because people tend to think puberty is a word associated with much younger folks. So obviously, if we're talking about pornography use, it's not geared towards like grade four students. We're definitely targeting sort of that junior high crowd where there are so many topics arising. So it's pretty in-depth guide. So we're hoping that people have some knowledge from sort of grade four four to six of the basics of the body. And then we get into a lot more in-depth topics. We're hoping at some point maybe to make a junior version so we can take some of the, the information from this guide and prepare it for a younger audience so that some of those topics they'll get a little bit later on. So it's probably more accurate because I know these things evolve once you get into them. Probably more accurate than for at least, for me at least, to maybe refer to it as a sexual health guide instead of a puberty guide. Not correct. That just kind of that kind of evolved because originally it was meant to be a puberty guide, but you know, as you know, puberty spans quite a quite a lifespan within in humans. So typically we start educating youth around grade four about the basics of menstruation and that kind of thing. But obviously it goes through the teenage years too. So this kind of targeted towards that mid-teenage range where all the topics are pretty relevant. But yeah, we hope to make a junior version with the same information that perhaps doesn't cover things like pornography use, which is a more advanced a more advanced topic for kids that have already learned some of the basics. And just to kind of jump back to uh, an earlier answer that you gave, I'm still I'm surprised that that there are still puberty or sexual health guides out there that kind of uh, color code themselves in a very traditional way. It's I find that amazing. It is. And I mean, the thing is, we never should have totally segregated the genders, right? All genders need to know about all bodies. I think it's important to know not only about your own body, but about other bodies as well. 
So, so dividing um, youth into two genders is problematic because, you know, about one in a hundred kids is actually intersex. So if you're intersex, it means, you know, when you were born, you didn't check all the boxes for girl or boy. So our gender is very complicated as well as our biological sex. And maybe it's worth taking a moment to sort of separate those two things. Um, around in the 1960s, people realized that biological sex and gender weren't always the same thing. And I think that's where a lot of confusion arises when people think there's only boys and girls. But actually, if you get into the biology of it, our biological sex is very complicated. It's actually made up of a lot of things, including your gender identity, you know, your internal genital organs or your internal reproductive organs and your genitals. Um, it also can affect, you know, hormones and chromosomes. So there's a lot of things that actually make up our biological sex. And for folks who are intersex, it just means that something might be a little different. So they might actually have chromosomes that aren't necessarily matching up to boy parts or girl parts. So when people are talking about how there's only boys or girls and that's science, it's actually not true. Science has shown that humans are actually quite diverse. And in fact, being intersex is as common as being a natural redhead. So when you start talking about puberty, it's so important to be more specific because people do have different parts and they don't always line up with gender. So that's why it was so important to make sure that we had a resource that talks about things in a very specific way, but is also um, cognizant of the fact that you know, it's not always so simple that we are boys or girls. You had a group of youth who gave you feedback on the guide. Is that right? We had some readers. So we've had some readers of the guide who have done some editing uh, and some reading to kind of test drive it and see how that works, including a lot of parents and children. But also sort of the development of the guide came as a result of the presentations that we do with youth in schools. Our presentations are interesting because, you know, sexual health is in the Nova Scotia school curriculum, but it tends to be one of those topics that teachers teach either really well or perhaps if they're not as comfortable with the topic, not quite as well. So it really depends on the teacher's comfort level, but also the teacher's knowledge of sexual health practices and education as well. So when we go do these presentations, we tend to get a range of questions from, from youth. And a lot of these questions are what kind of inspired the topics in the book as well. So when we do presentations with junior high students, which is the age group that this is geared for, we get a lot of different questions on a lot of different topics. So, you know, people may, you know, wonder, you know, why are we talking with young kids about stigmatized topics? And the thing is, kids are asking about them. And I find that the more stigmatized something is and the less we talk about it, the more likely they are to ask questions about it during our presentations. What format will the guide uh, eventually uh, be in? How, how, can, how can youth access it, youth and parents, I suppose? How, how can people access it? So the cool thing is um, it's, the guide is meant to be free. So when it's done, it will be done in a free format so that Youth and parents can download it onto phones and tablets or their desktop computers. So that format's going to be free. We're also going to look at seeing if we can print it, you know, print some hard copies so that people, if they choose to have hard copies, uh, would, you know, lots of people would rather have a hard copy of a book rather than a digital version. 
I mean, the digital version will be easy to do and easy to distribute for free. The print copies may have to have a small charge just to cover the printing costs. The plan is to release the ebook this fall. And the goal is definitely to make it incredibly accessible. So we want it to be out there. And, uh, and is a guide like this and the way in which it was done still a bit of a rarity in sexual health education for youth in Nova Scotia? Yeah, I've been in this field since on and off, since about 2009, 2010. And sexual health education has changed a lot in that time. So we're only really starting to get super duper inclusive of teaching sexual health for all genders and bodies. And it really requires um, a shift in thinking from the traditional methods of teaching puberty. All right. Well, thank you very much, uh, Julie, for joining us today to talk about Gender Awesome, a gender-inclusive puberty guide. And uh, look forward to um, seeing the final product when it comes out. Awesome. Well, we'll be promoting it on our social media channels so people know when it's available. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it, too. I'm looking forward to seeing if it really does help out youth um, with the process of puberty, which, as we know, um, at the best best of times can be a unique journey. Um, but if you're a gender diverse youth, um, you also have some challenges that maybe a cisgender youth uh, might not have. So I'm hopeful that it will be helpful to youth out there. Great. That's great. And we'll be sure to promote it on, on our social media as well. I hope get the word out. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for Gender that awesome. painless. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'm a firm believer that if youth get education, they make the world a better place. All right. Thank you, Julie. Awesome. Well, thank you very hey. much. I have fun. Right. All right. Bye. Have a good, awesome. good day. Bye. Bye. For more information about this podcast or the Queen's Community Health Board, visit our Facebook page at Queen's Community Health Board or call Coordinator Elizabeth Bailey at 902-350-0478. Don't forget, the Wellness Fund application deadline is October 15th at midnight. If you have a nonprofit, municipal, or school project and are interested in applying for funds, contact the coordinator for details or visit our website at www.communityhealthboards.ns.ca. This has been the Community HealthCast. Tune in next week and join the conversation.